Greetings, I'm Josh Lowe, and this is NBA Retrospective. Today, we're going to break down the three teams that we featured earlier for the 2015-16 NBA season, and that was the Cleveland Cavaliers, Golden State Warriors, and Philadelphia 76ers. So let's jump right in here and start talking about the NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, it's likely not fair to call them an average team since they won the NBA championship. However, it is accurate to say they performed as expected. Remember that the ELO simulated win total over 10,000 seasons was 57.912. Four factors predicted wins for that model, 55.353. Actual wins, 57. ELO residual, negative 0.912, so little less than one game below expectation there. Four factors, residual 1.647, so just under two games above four factors expectation. So overall, performed as expected. And It's notable that the Cavs had the second highest number of simulated conference championships with 4,297 and third highest NBA championships with 823. Getting to the individual four factors for the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cavs ranked actually third highest in the NBA in effective field goal percentage at 0.524. Turnover percentage, by contrast, only slightly above average, 13th lowest at 0.127. Offensive rebound percentage, 10th highest, 0.251. And free throw to field goal rate is actually below average at 0.194, which is right around the first quartile and 23rd in the NBA. And remember that free throws per field goal attempted did not emerge as a significant predictor in our model, so it's not surprising that a team could overcome weakness in that area. Uh, Moving on to the defensive metrics, Cavs rank slightly above average in opposing effective field goal percentage at 0.496. That's tied for the 12th lowest. And remember when we're talking about opposing field goal percentage, lower is better. Cavs actually rank below average in opposing turnover percentage at 0.126, which is tied for the 20th highest. And the Cavs rank 5th highest in defensive rebound percentage, so that's very good at uh, 0.785. And again, with defensive rebounds, obviously higher. It's better. And finally, the Cavs rank essentially average at 14th in opposing free throw to field goal rate at 0.205. And again, the Cavs actually approximated the expectations of both the ELO simulation and the four factors model. We talked about those numbers before. Despite falling below average in opposing turnover percentage and free throw to field goal rate. And so this suggests that the Cavs met the high expectations of the ELO simulation with shooting and rebounding. And this is particularly true for defensive rebounding. And notably, Kevin Love finished 8th in the NBA in defensive rebounds, and Tristan Thompson finished 5th in the NBA in offensive rebounds. Now, Thompson actually now plays with LeBron for the Lakers, where he plays limited minutes, 
but I've noticed that he plays very strong defense in those minutes, particularly in Game 3 of this season's Western Conference Finals, where granted the Lakers got swept, but I noticed Thompson's tough defense during that series. It's also noteworthy that no Cavs players made any all-NBA teams that year other than LeBron James, but they still won the championship. So that goes to show you the influence of LeBron, obviously, and the influence of defensive rebounding by and offensive rebounding by Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. Now, the statistics back up the role of Love's and Thompson's rebounding because the Cavs rank in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage, so dominating the glass can catalyze wins. And obviously, ranking third in effective field goal percentage creates an even greater advantage because the model weight on shooting was 0.39. Now, I'll talk a little bit about this later, but the model weight of rebounding, recall, was 0.11. So if you add, if you add those two together, 0.39 plus 0.11, that's 0.5. That's about 50% of the model being explained by those two factors put together. And elite performance by the Cavaliers in both of them, that can be a, uh, a strong catalyst for the NBA championship right there. But getting to some other factors here, the Cavs ranked only slightly above average in turnover percentage, which was 13th, and below average in opposing turnover percentage, which was 20th. Now, despite turnovers being the highest weighted factor at 0.45, 45% in our model, the Cavs were able to cancel out average ball protection and subpar turnover generation with elite performances in shooting and rebounding, as we talked about just a little bit ago. Again, if you combine those two factors, shooting and rebounding, that comes to about 50% of the model. And despite the relatively weaker performance in turnover percentage, which we said was 45% of the model, but and when I said turn, I say turnover percentage, I mean both off the offensive and defensive component of turnover percentage, about 45% of the model, but that's still less than the 50 that they got from the combo shooting and rebounding. So they're able to cancel out average ball protection, subpar turnover generation with elite performances in shooting and rebounding on the way to an NBA championship. We're moving on now to the Golden State Warriors. And in terms of the regular season, certainly an overachieving team. They exceeded ELO projection by over five wins. And aside from the record 73 wins, this was also the last season before the Warriors acquired Kevin Durant. And they would win the next two NBA championships in dominating fashion with Durant, so there's no championship hangover or finals hangover as it was here. And again, we have an ELO residual of 5.398. Actual wins, 73. ELO simulated, 67.602. So about five wins more than the ELO projection predicted. And in terms of the four factors, actual wins again, 73. Four factors predicted wins, 67.723. Four factors residual, 5.277. So again, 
about five wins above that projection. So that's very much an overachieving team. And recall that they set an NBA record for regular season wins. Now, getting to the individual four factors for the Warriors. The Warriors rank a convincing first in effective field goal percentage at 0.563, with the next best team, San Antonio, at 0.526. That was very dominant, okay? Um, The general range in the NBA in terms of effective field goal percentage, you don't see margins like that. A a 4% margin is pretty dominant. Turnover percentage, by contrast, is tied for 19th lowest in the NBA at 0.135, slightly below average. Offensive rebound percentage, also 19th in the NBA, 0.235, also below average, falls between the first quartile and the median. The Warriors also rank well below average in free throw to field goal rate at 0.191, 26th in the league. Remember, again, that was not found to be a significant predictor. Warriors rank second lowest in the NBA in opposing effective field goal percentage. And remember, again, second lowest means second best when we're talking about opposing effective field goal percentage. Behind only San Antonio and the Spurs were at .477, Warriors .479, so pretty close there. Warriors tied for ninth in the league in opposing turnover percentage with .126. Warriors rank 17th highest in the NBA in defensive rebound percentage at .76, which is essentially average. Warriors rank 17th lowest in the NBA in opposing free throw to field goal rate, .208, also essentially average. And notably, the Warriors set an NBA record for wins despite poor ball security. And that's somewhat surprising given the weight of turnovers. Recall that it was 45% in this season's model. Um, Remember that the Warriors' own turnover percentage was tied for 19th lowest in the NBA, which is below average. And in terms of um, opposing turnover percentage, okay, ninth in the league there, but still... Look, uh, with the with the turnover percentage and own turnover percentage that low, that it's a bit surprising that they were able to do as well as they did with limited ball security. So that means that the Warriors overperformed largely on the strength of shooting and shot prevention metrics. That's effective field goal percentage and opposing effective field goal percentage. And again, they had the runaway number one highest effective field goal percentage at .563. Next best team, San Antonio, .526. And looking at opposing effective field goal percentage, although they didn't finish first in that category, .002 behind the Spurs. The difference is not that significant. So... It's clear how the Warriors got their record setting done, and that's by effective field goal, by, by shooting, both co- both components of shooting. That's effective field goal percentage and opposing effective field goal percentage. And again, the overperformance related to the ELO simulated win total likely relates to high performance in our four factors, second highest weighted category, which was shooting. 
They excelled at both significant shooting metrics, which was being dominating number one in effective field goal percentage and a very close number two in opposing effective field goal percentage. And the Warriors greatly overachieved despite finishing below average in turnover percentage at 19th and offensive rebound percentage at 19th. Uh, That's notable since turnovers were the highest weighted metric at .45. However, to an extent, the Warriors likely overcame weak turnover percentage with above average performance in opposing turnover percentage. And recall that both components of the metric are included in our model weights. And that goes for all of the metrics. Both components of all metrics are included in the model weights. So moving on now to the Philadelphia 76ers. This was a chronically underachieving team. I'm sorry, Sixers fans. There's no other way to describe your season other than it was incredibly bad. The 76ers underachieved both in terms of ELO simulation, that's 70, excuse me, not 70, wow, 7.077 wins below ELO projected. The four factors model, also an underachievement at 4.946 below. And frankly, it's an underachievement in terms of league history. The 76ers had the second worst record of all time for an 82-game season. The top loss mark Incidentally, was also the 76ers who went 9 and 73 in the 72 73 season. And getting to the specifics here, the ELO simulated wins 17.077, actual wins 10, again, uh, 7.077 wins below expectation. Four factors. Predicted wins, 14.946. Again, actual wins, 10. So about five wins below expectation there. And obviously with records like this, the 76ers did not get any simulated playoff appearances and certainly nothing better than that. With records like that, you just don't make the playoffs. Um, It's just that simple, basically. Um, Moving on to the individual four factors for the 76ers. 76ers rank well below average at 26th in the NBA in effective field goal percentage at .487. Also well below average 28th highest in the NBA in turnover percentage at .148. And that's the second highest. And teams don't want to be there when we're talking about turnovers because obviously high means you're turning the ball over a lot. You don't want to do that. Offensive rebound percentage, 27th in the NBA, 0.148. That's below average, and it's well below the first quartile. The 76ers also ranked 28th in free throw to field goal rate, 0.186. Although, again, again, that wasn't a significant predictor. That's still well below average. The 76ers ranked 19th lowest in opposing effective field goal percentage, 0.51, which is slightly higher than average and in this case higher means worse than average because if your opposing effective field goal percentage is high that means the other team's making shots it's no good now opposing turnover percentage 76ers rank 15th highest 0.135 and that's essentially average and it falls just above both the median and the mean the median was 0.132 Excuse me, the mean, 0.132. 
and the median was 0.133, so just a hair above in opposing turnover percentage. Moving on to defensive rebound percentage, 76ers ranked 27th highest in the NBA at 0.74. That's below average on the low end, below the first quartile. And the 76ers ranked 29th, which is next to highest, i.e. worst, in opposing free throw to field goal rate at 0.24. And so the 76ers proved weak in most four factors metrics, and the underperformance is not surprising. The only metric for which the 76ers performed at even league average is opposing turnover percentage, where they were 15th at 0.135. And despite the high weight on turnovers, the 76ers did not perform well enough in any other metric, including own turnover percentage. Again, 28th highest, where you don't want to be for turnovers, for the average performance in opposing percentage to help their record. To reiterate, the 76ers simply did not perform well enough in any factor to negate poor performance in the other factors, and the own turnover percentage and the shooting factors are particularly problematic because of the high weight assessed by the model on both of those factors. Recall that turnovers were worth a lot in this model, 0.45 or 45%, shooting 0.39 or 39%. So... Beyond that, the 76ers did not exceed league average in any four factors metric. Only the opposing turnover percentage even reached average. So the drastic underperformance makes statistical sense. Moving on to some concluding remarks now. The Cavs and Warriors actually proved successful in similar ways. Both relied heavily on effective field goal percentage. Now, the Warriors were expected to be dominant. According to ELO, they were expected to win 6,773 out of 10,000 projected championships. So that's about 68%. So 68% of 10,000 seasons expected to go to the Warriors. And that's also over 5,600 more than any other team in the simulation. So that they were clearly expected to be dominant. Now, the Cavs ranked third in simulated championships, but they only had 823 out of the 10,000. And so that's an epic upset there with LeBron and the block, which I'll get into a little bit more later. Yet, neither team proved elite in either component of turnover percentage, which was our highest weighted metric at 0.45. The Warriors finished ninth in opposing turnover percentage, but only 19th in own turnover percentage. The Cavs ranked 13th in own and 20th in opposing turnover percentage. Now, none of those marks are particularly elite. Nobody was top 10 in any of those metrics. Now, the Cavs won with strong performances in both shooting and rebounding. The Cavs finished 10th and 5th in offensive and defensive rebounding percentage, respectively, and 3rd in effective field goal percentage. Now, the Warriors ran away with first an effective field goal percentage, but they were not dominant in rebounding, finishing only 19th in offensive and 17th in defensive. That's a little below average for both of those metrics. And so the rebounding prowess of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, that's highly influential here, along with LeBron and his legendary block, which again, 
Um, go on YouTube if you haven't seen that yet. Google LeBron Block Game 7, 2016. Go ahead and do that and just be happy that you were able to see it. Interestingly, Thompson now plays with LeBron for the Lakers, and he was a dominant rebounding force again in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals, despite the Lakers getting swept. Well, the Cavs performed as expected according to ELO. Of course, we cannot negate their NBA championship. Their victory supports Dean Oliver's contention that if a team is deficient in one area of the four factors, they can make up for it in other areas. And the Cavs were notably deficient in opposing turnover percentage and only slightly above average in own turnover percentage. And turnover percentage was the highest weighted offensive factor in our model. Yet they shot the ball well and got it done on the glass to win the NBA championship. And remember, again, that if we combine those two metrics, that's shooting and rebounding factors, they come to 50%. So that's literally half the battle, shall we say. So it makes sense that dominating performances in both of those metrics, shooting and rebounding, will take you to a championship. And the Cavs season gives credibility to a quote from Billy Donovan, who currently coaches the Chicago Bulls, but was also a legendary coach previously at the University of Florida. And that is, you don't get to decide what wins. You can only decide if you're willing to do what it takes to win. And obviously, strong shooting and effective performance on the glass this year were what it took to win. And this season's model is different, notably different, due to higher weights on turnovers. But again, the elite performances in shooting and rebounding outweighed the somewhat problematic performance in turnovers. Now, the Cavs were expected to be solid this season. Again, we talked about third in expected championships, but the Warriors were expected to run away with the title. So why didn't this happen? Well, statistically, the Warriors' domination in shooting was not enough to overcome relative mediocrity in turnovers and weakness in rebounds. And specifically what I'm talking about there with turnovers, 19th in own, 9th in opposing, and in terms of rebounds, 19th in offensive, 17th in defensive. And with the exception of the opposing turnover percentage at 9th, all of those metrics are below average. Okay, so that goes to that go that can go that can play a role in the explanation of why they didn't win that series, the final series. But we also must acknowledge the greatness of LeBron's block in Game Seven and its role in deciding the finals. Again, if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube, look it up. While salacious, we cannot dismiss the potential impact of Draymond Green and his technicals to the testicles. Green repeatedly hit opposing players in the testicles and was suspended for Game 5 of the 2016 Finals as a result. The final nail was when Green hit LeBron in the testicles in Game 4. That was his fourth flagrant foul in the playoffs, which resulted in his suspension. So... While it's not a statistical aspect per se, at least not something that the four factors or ELO can account for, it's also not something that we can ignore. Obviously, being short a player with the talent level and the work ethic level of Draymond Green causes problems.
Okay. I don't have to show data to illustrate that. We know it. And this also supports Oliver's claim that teams who are weak in one area can make up for it in others. The Cavs made up for poor turnover performance, which was the highest weighted metric in the model, by performing well above average in effective field goal percentage and rebounding. The Warriors also overcame weak turnover metrics with a dominant first place finish in effective field goal percentage. Now, the Warriors' overperformance this season could be seen as an epic failure, but also as an impetus for later success. Now, the reason I say it could be an epic failure is that for a 73-win regular season team with over 6,000 of 10,000 10, 10, ELO-projected championships, anything less than an NBA title could be considered a failure. And it's also somewhat of a failure considering that the Warriors were also the first team to lose an NBA Finals after leading three games to one. And again, the technicals to the testicles issue certainly could be said to have played a role in that because that hit occurred in game four. Draymond Green suspended for game five. You see how that looks. However, the Warriors acquired Kevin Durant the following offseason and won the next two NBA championships with him. And the acquisition of Durant could be seen as a reaction to missing the 2015-16 title. And ironically, the addition of Kevin Durant to the Warriors generated controversy about excessive domination and lack of competitive balance in the NBA. Getting to... The 76ers, because again, we got to look at the good teams, we got to look at the bad teams. Unlike the Cavs and Warriors, the 76ers could not make up for deficiencies in any of the four factors. Their best factor was opposing turnover percentage, where they ranked 15th. But this was not enough to prevent the second worst 82 game record of all time at 10 and 72. There's two reasons for this. First, 15th is only about average in a 30 team NBA. To overcome many deficiencies, the 76ers needed to be better. Second, the 76ers' own turnover percentage ranks 28th in the NBA, so weak performance in the offensive category cancels out the average performance in the defensive category. And the 76ers, again, underachieved badly by both ELO simulation, remember about seven wins below expectation, and the four factors model, about five wins below expectation. These projections are unsurprising considering the 76ers' performance in all four factors. Overall, the relationship between ego simulation and four factors projection is strong. We had a correlation of 0.94. And again, remember that correlation goes from negative 1, negative perfect, to positive 1, which is positive perfect. And ours is 0.94, so that's pretty close to being a positive 1 there, which is what we want. We want the two projection models to be close together so meaning they they both predict predict winning and this correlation makes sense when it comes to the 76ers since they underachieved greatly in both models so our analysis confirms oliver's notion that teams can achieve success by excelling in different metrics but they have to be proficient enough in those different metrics to get there for example the warriors dominated an effective field goal percentage while the Cavs excelled in effective field goal percentage and rebounding, but neither team performed well in turnovers and succeeded despite the high weight, again, 45%, recall, 
in two, on that metric in 2015-16. And the Cavs' success by rebounding may catalyze future research. Rebounding had a comparatively low weight this season, but it may have been the difference for the Cavs. Again, I mentioned that shooting was a weight of about 0.39, 39%, rebounding 0.11 or 11%. So are there models other than the four factors and ELO that can reflect this? And can we get correlations between those models and ours? Now, the Warriors season exposes a couple controversies in the modern NBA. First, is it ethical for a high-income team to sign players like Kevin Durant in the wake of seasons that were record-setting in terms of regular season win count and just missed NBA championships? Does that upset the competitive balance? And does it make the NBA less interesting to watch? Recall that they won the following two seasons uh, after the 15-16 season. So that's a question worth asking. Is it worth it? Does it make it less interesting to see the same teams over and over again? And second controversy there, why is it necessary to hit opposing players in the testicles? It still goes on in the current season, most recently with Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies hitting LeBron James in the groin. And the Warriors fans discuss the possibility that Draymond Green doing that cost his team an NBA championship. So do we need to increase the penalties and get the testicle hits out of the league? It's obviously not a basketball play. So again, it's a worthwhile question to ask. And I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge another controversy with this season, and that's the possibility of tanking for higher draft picks. The 76ers owner described the season as, quote, losing with purpose, but not losing on purpose. And the team claimed, quote, trust the process throughout the season. And remember, for a while, Joel Embiid was nicknamed the process. Now, as an amateur statistician, it is not appropriate for me to accuse a team of tanking. I do not have the authority to do that, and the data can only tell us that they were a significantly underachieving team. They can't tell us what went on in the front office or in any conversations or anything like that. However, If you're approaching this from the viewpoint of a 76ers fan, the team did not meet average in any metric other than opposing turnover percentage, and most of those metrics were in the 20s, so you can see how that looks. And the NBA changed the draft lottery process in 2019, likely to divert that type of behavior, the potential tanking. And now the three teams with the worst records all have equal odds at 14% of getting the first pick in the draft. And the new play-in tournament with the 10 teams that they started in the 2020-21 season also de-incentivizes tanking because lower-ranked teams can still aim for that 10 seed. So the the 2015-16 76ers could be seen as the impetus for this rule change. And that's about all I've got for you on the 2015-16 season. Again, very interesting season because of the record that was set by the Warriors, because of the ineptitude by the 76ers, and because of LeBron and the block. So if you like this season, or 
my first season, the last dance season. Follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast, and you'll get notification when new episodes come up. What I can't do for you guys is I can't give a specific time period. I can't say it's going to come out once a week, once a month, or anything like that, because it takes a while to do the stat work. But if you follow, if you follow me, you'll get a notification when I bring out a new episode. So feel free to go ahead and do that and keep listening. And until then, I'm Josh Lowe, and this is NBA Retrospective.